Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. Each spring, ahead of the Can Lions Festival, a debate crops up in the industry about whether purpose-driven work should dominate industry awards shows versus effective commercial work that drives client business. But for Kwame Taylor Hayford and Sophie Ozu, founders at purpose-driven creative agency Kin, purpose and effectiveness don't have to be at odds. The pair launched Kin in 2019 with a commitment to driving long-lasting, impactful brand platforms that drive social change. The agency works with brands including Ben & Jerry's, MailChimp, and Delta Airlines to do just that. In this episode, Taylor Hayford and Ozu chat about how they drive long-lasting purpose work for brands and share their advice for how brands should approach ESG projects and respond to backlash if it occurs. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hello, Sophie and Kwame. How are you both today? Doing great. Thanks so much for having us. Doing well. Excited to chat. Awesome. So I'm really excited to have you both here today to talk about Kin. Um, For the listeners who might not know or might not be familiar with you, um, tell us a little bit about the agency. Uh, Kwame, why don't you sort of kick us off with some of the story behind behind Kin? Happy to. Happy to. Um, So Kin is a creative company that Sophie and I we're really excited to found because coming up in um, the industry, we had amazing experiences working at different agencies, but often found it a bit tricky to reconcile that with our past and our upbringing. You know, Sophie and I uh, both grew up um, internationally in Africa and Europe and in the Middle East. Um, we both had families that were really connected to and engaged in the conversations that were happening about our world, you know, and, and, I think um, as people who are very excited to engage in the world of creativity and, and you know, explore our passion for art and music and, and, and culture, um, working in, in ad agencies, we often found it quite tricky, I guess, to reconcile that with this interest in the world and what's happening and how we all have sort of a role to play in advancing uh, and evolving some of the challenges that we're facing. So. After you know many years working at agencies, uh, spent some time brand side as well. Um, it made a sense. It made a ton of sense uh, to us to come together and start a creative company that took the best of what we had learned from being in all these different contexts, but also married that with this passion we had for creating a, a real change in the world. You know, so so Kin in a nutshell is all about advancing social change through culture. We do that for incredible, you know, brands like Mailchimp and Delta Airlines and Ben and Jerry's. Uh, we have the pleasure of collaborating with them to not just put out sort of messages, but really um, commit to action around these topics, and then use very creative means to get people excited about the great work that they're doing. Awesome, Sophie. Anything you want to add in there? 
No, I mean, um, maybe one thing, our goal also was to create a, a place and a culture um, that would be very um, eclectic and not only inviting people from all backgrounds, nationalities uh, and personalities. And it, I think it was something that was really important to us, um, you know, as we, we see the industry change very slowly. It's something that um, we wanted to accelerate and make sure that kids is a platform for change on its own, you know, and that we leave our values. We, um, you know, not only treat our people with respect, but we elevate them, whatever, wherever they're coming from. Mm. Um, and so we're very lucky, uh, you know, to have a, a, a collective around us of 40 to 50 people, um, you know, from from all backgrounds that we admire so much. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious, Kwame, when you, you said that you sort of, you know, you've been working in agencies, both of you, for some time and you felt like it just wasn't really like meeting your sort of international, uh, worldly like perspective and um, tackling some of the important issues. I feel like, you know, advertising is supposed to be tapped into culture, right? Into like the zeitgeist, what's happening in the world. Like what did, what did you feel like agencies were missing at the time? I think a lot of the work that we were doing felt a bit disposable, you know, it felt of no consequence in a way. And um, with the advent of, um, you know, CSR was kind of a big movement that happened for a while. Right. And then that sort of waned and went away. And now there's a lot of conversation about brand purpose or corporate citizenship and, you know, none of these ideas are new, but I think the way that advertising has often treated them is like a flavor of the month. You know, there's a lot of interest for a while and then people uh, move away from 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 them. So I think for us, it became, hey, how do we take these topics and these issues that we care about deeply and that we know are essential to community and essential to humanity, uh, but also in a way essential to creativity uh, and to driving real business impact um, and work on them, you know, and, and make them a real core to the brands that we're able to to collaborate with. Uh, make them business accretive, but also make them highly creative in how we express ourselves. You know, Sophie and I talk a lot. The work in the impact space is very earnest, but for a long time, it hasn't really been that that good, mm. that engaging. Mm -hmm. So that's been a, a lot of what we try to, to bring to the table. Yeah, and I, I would add also that, you know, um, the industry is one that has a lot of influence on what the brand, a brand stands for, right? You know, my background is in strategy and I've worked like many strategists, like on thousands and thousands of brand platforms. And at some point, it just felt like so frustrating, you know, when you work on a brand platform and you're trying to work that benefit ladder and you, you stop at things that feel, you know, um, maybe meaningful at, at an end individual level, but it was so important to us to realize and try to push the conversation so we could have, you know, a, a realization around the potential that these brands have at a societal level, at, you know, and, and really make sure that we, we creating kin was our way to really be able to and feel free to have this conversation and push this agenda. And, and sometimes it's uncomfortable, uh, you know, and, uh, but it's, it felt really important to us. And 
it's it's a, the kind of leeway that we didn't feel we necessarily had, you know, when part of a different structure. Because obviously there's PNL uh, objectives, and you ha- you are tied by scopes, and it all makes a, a lot of good sense. But so that's why we wanted to create a space where we could push this type of conversation. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about how you're doing that, because, you know, I, you're, it's you're right. Like a lot of agencies are, you know, and, and advertisers sort of look to purpose as sort of a flavor of the month. Like, how are you making it something that is lasting and sustainable for brands? And how does like the, the way that you've structured the agency play into that? I'm, I'm happy to jump in on that one. And I think I'll, I'll start with maybe a, a tiny story about the time I spent working in-house for Chobani. And for me, that was a really valuable uh, experience to have because for the first time in my career, I was you know inside a company versus inside an agency and understanding you know marketing, brand building, advertising from that perspective and really embracing the connectivity to the business and the understanding of, you know, product innovation and of quality and of all these really important aspects that go into making a product. But not just that, you know, bringing all the agency knowledge around how to, you know, build and activate a brand, you know, and and launch it out into the world. I think it was so um, incredible to to go on that journey and then to start Kin with that knowledge. Because, again, we, we spend a lot of time understanding the fundamentals of our brands and their business, you know, and what's really going to help them achieve the commercial outcomes that they've set for themselves. Mm-hmm. So the the conversation about purpose, <clears throat> you know, it, it's not adjacent. It's not a philanthropic mindset. It's really something that is core and ingrained to the business and to the brand. And when we're able to, you know, do that and then um, recommend these platforms, these, um, actions that really help channel, you know, the values of the brand, connect to the issues of our time, meaningfully make a difference. It's so much um, easier, better, um, you know, long long term. The thinking that we can apply, uh, and and the platforms and the programs that we develop and, and establish can endure, you know, and and can deliver business value. And I think that's where. That's where I think there's been a bit of a mess is creating that line to business value. Mm. You know, it's, it's not just about doing social good. It's about creating uh, real value for, for the companies that we are lucky to collaborate with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we have the receipts nowadays. You know, there's a lot of research that show, you know, that brands with a purpose set on improving the quality of life or improving, you know, um, uh, some major issues of our time are outperforming, you know, the stock market by more than 120 percent or see their their brand valuation increase. Um, So it's that's really one of the core question that when we start a a new relationship, that we really try to go deep and interrogate how, um, you know, this brand, this business can be a force for good and how uh, relevant is this, you know, to uh, their audience? Yeah. So talk about how that manifests like in the work, like maybe there's an example you can share um, of work that you've done recently. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's actually something we do with a, a lot of our clients, but MailChimp is one that, you know, we've collaborated with over the past um, three years and their purpose is to empower the underdog. You know, it's they really focus on small business owners. Um, and so the whole corporate citizen strategy we developed was really um, focused on empowering uh, underrepresented or historically excluded communities um, because and so of course you see how it goes hand in hand like understanding you, you know the struggles of your audience and the forces they're they're facing um, then you see the incremental value for the business um, so you know over the the course of the last three years we identify um, you know, how a few communities were as disproportionately hurt, for example, by the crisis uh, and the pandemic. And so, um, you know, along with a lot of grants, uh, money, you know, special, uh, you know, aid and promotions that they could do on their, their uh, products, it was really important for us to try to go the extra mile and show the commitment that MailChimp had towards their, uh, you know, their the communities they care the most. And so one of the area we identified after a lot of analysis was that, well, a lot of these entrepreneurs, you know, hurt by the pandemic, closing their businesses, often don't find the resources that are relevant to them to bounce back. Um, and after doing a lot of research, we've seen that a lot of the business literature, for example, is often written from a white cis perspective. And so historically excluded communities like, you know, black entrepreneurs, um, Hispanic, LGBT, GQIA don't find uh, out their content that mirrors their experiences. Um, so we set out to create exactly that, fill this gap and create a, a digital magazine from scratch uh, called Bloom Season. Um, we launched it last year and it's an incredible and beautiful publication. Um, every volume is designed for and by a different community uh, with a big intersectional point of view, of course. And it gathers not only journalists, um, you know, uh, illustrators, videographers, artists, and, and a lot of entrepreneurs from the community to come together and create original content, um, you know, articles, videos, etc., and designed to create content and resources uh, for and by their communities. Okay. So it's it's one example where we, again, we try to understand like you know who who we're going after, what are they missing, what they're needing. And how can we leverage creativity and innovation to answer to that need? And, and hopefully that creates, you know, mm -hmm. a, a virtuous circle. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's super interesting. I guess when you're working with clients, like, are you, I, I'm curious if as positioning yourself as like a, a purpose agency, does that sort of make clients gravitate towards you only for purpose-driven work? Or have you found that clients also want an AOR that's, wholly focused on purpose or a lead creative agency focused on purpose. Kwame, it's I saw a, you smiling, yeah. so you can answer that. Well, yeah, yeah, I smile because it's an interesting question. And um, it's something that Sophie and I try to get very precise on. You know, like we are <clears throat> uh, an, imp an impact-led, um, you know, creative company. And, um, and, and, and for us, it's really important because I, I think 
Um, the term agency is a bit loaded <laughs> and doesn't fully reflect uh, the breadth of what we do. You know, like a lot of what Sophie described with uh, MailChimp and with Bloom Season, there was a heavy sort of consultative and strategic component up front. You know, we're really helping them think through their um, overall sort of approach and strategy and putting recommendations forward that can guide things like their the way that they invest and lean into certain communities or the way that they might, you know, organize their team, for example. And, and I, I feel like that's a bit atypical, uh, perhaps. Um, I, I think the second piece is we, uh, of course, you know, lean heavily into purpose and impact. And we are approached often to help in those specific uh, sort of directions. But I, I think our work with Ben & Jerry's is a, a great example of, of a brand that is, of course, purpose-born and, and built, um, that needs help going to market in a really interesting way, in a, in a very exciting and engaging way. And um, we're, we're um, very lucky to, to collaborate with them. You know, we helped them launch their uh, plant-based um, ice creams last year, and we are uh, just launching an amazing uh, campaign for their partnership with the director, Ava DuVernay you know, which is all about making an incredible sort of ice cream and this sort of magical product uh, and um, and leaning into sort of the codes of cinema to, to bring it to life for an audience that, you know, largely um, maybe isn't as familiar with her and her work, uh, but of course, you know, loves ice cream and, and will be excited by this amazing new flavor that she's putting out with Ben & Jerry's. That's awesome. So I know like, you know, a lot of brands try to do purposeful things and sometimes they get it right and sometimes they don't. And I think at this point, it's pretty clear, like the basic elements to get it right. Right. Like involve the community that you're trying to represent, um, you know, don't don't pander to them, et cetera. I'm struck by the recent um, the recent group of brands that haven't necessarily responded to mistakes that they've made. Well, I'm sure, you know, I'm a what I'm alluding to, the um, LGBTQ Pride Month um, sort of debacles, I guess, that have happened with Bud Light, now with Target. Like what, I guess, advice do you have for big brands that, okay, maybe you tried to do something, you didn't get it right. Like, how do you handle that? Yeah. So th there's often like one little torture test that we, we use, uh, you know, that preemptively um, is, first of all, look at where your investment goes. If you invest more in marketing dollars in uh, flashy ad activation, more than you're actually supporting the community through whether like, you know, donations to charity, etc., that's where it starts to be very wrong, right? Uh, but then if a faux pas happens and if um, you're in the situation, the best advice we can give is to be very vulnerable and transparent about it. We often say, you know, there's nobody's perfect and we're all on this journey. And um, I think that's what people want more from brands is progress um, and real action. And we all know, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's hard and it's not going to come without errors along the way. So um, in order to bounce back is, you know, being vulnerable and putting a real plan of action in place, you know, and show your true commitment to the community beyond advertising and marketing and beyond a, a, a cultural month that you want to check off of your social calendar. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I think, I think that's a big one. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about this. Uh, you, you have to know who you are, you know, and does this community, does this topic make sense for your business and for your brand, for you to be connected to it? You know, cause I, I think the other litmus test is, you know, are you here for the moment? Or are you really supporting the movement or the change? You know, like is your leaning into this something that is going to endure and, and in our, you know, humble opinion, the way that you, um, give it the greatest chance for enduring is you make it really meaningful to your business. You know, I'll, I'll go back to Chobani, like Chobani, the company is, um, about 30% refugees, you know, or former refugees is what I should say. Cause once you have a job, you are no longer a refugee and you can be part of a, of a, of a new community. Um, so their commitment and leaning into that sort of topic and really looking to raise the plight of, of refugees and find a solution for that, like that's never going away, you know, because it's part of the fabric of the company and, and through hiring so many refugees and helping them resettle and doing things like, you know, providing, you know, language lessons and transportation so they can get to and from the factory. I mean, it, it's all sort of a beautiful um way that the community is being lifted, you know? And I think, I don't know, a lot of what we do is try to figure out with our brand partners, um, how can you find something that is that equivalent Mm. as in how is it so meaningful to your business that you can connect it and, and stay committed to it. And it, you know, makes you money and drives you forward, but it also makes uh, a big difference on, on the issue that you're looking to attack. Right. You can't just decide something is your purpose, right? It has to actually inherently exist within your company. <laughs> I mean, technically you can, but you might decide something else a week later. <laughs> it does, you know what I mean? Yeah. People, people are smart. They'll, they'll figure it out. Um, so something else really interesting about Kin is just the way you structure the agency. Um, I know it's sort of like a core, um, a small core team, and then you engage freelancers and, um, contractors. So talk about why that works. Um, and how and sort of like how that sort of distributed model uh, either aids or limits your creativity in this context of like, you know, is creativity contingent upon the office, et cetera? <laughs> um, I, there, there are multiple answers to this question, but um, it, the two main ones is for us, it makes sense for the topic and the issues that we want to attack to really bring on board people with the right perspective and also the right, you know, passion for these topics. And the second is making sure people are happy. And um, today, a lot of incredible talent choose to be freelance and choose this remote uh, remote work life um, We, uh, you know, to to approach uh, their work. And so we just embrace this new fact. Um, It also allows us to bring people on board from around the world. Um, time zones is the only thing that limits us, but we've, we've become pretty good experts at, at juggling this. Um, and yeah, and we feel it just makes the works so much better because we're not only able to bring on the right perspective, but people find true meaning in their work while keeping life balance. Um, now, the main question for us is 
how do we do this and still continue to cultivate, um, you know, a, an amazing culture? And, uh, you know, ca how can we hang out with the, the people we love the most and we admire the most? So we do this by regrouping the team around key moments around this, the, the year, uh, whether it's like a beginning of year retreat in Merida, Mexico, like we did earlier this year or around big shoots. Um, and we are not afraid of, you know, investing a little bit more in our travel budgets because we don't have any hard costs, any office costs. And so we gather the team around this shared experience and, you know, we, we do have adventures together more than just, you know, um, work adventures, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. You know, we, um, <clears throat> we started Kin in 2019 and it felt probably a bit strange to us to, <clears throat> by default, embrace ideas that were really established, I don't know, a hundred plus years ago about how we work, you know? Yeah. So Sophie being in LA, me being in New York, remote and flexible work was just kind of baked in. It had to be, you know? Um, finding really incredible talent in Copenhagen or in Monterey, Mexico, or in Lisbon, in Paris. For us, it was how do we find the people that we really um, enjoy working with who are incredibly... Um, passionate about what they do, who are just, you know, obsessed with craft. Uh, and last but not least, who are up for this adventure, you know, of helping us build this new sort of model company. Mm. And lo and behold, little did you know, a global pandemic would break out <laughs> and make your the, normalize, normalize all it all. You should have seen certain looks we had when in 2019 when we started and people were like, how does that work? You're not in the same city. You don't have any offices. Well, what advice do you have? I think a lot of agencies right now are struggling to find their identity right in this new world. Like, do we get people back in the office? How strict are we about it? Can we do this without, you know, forcing people to be together? Like, do you have any advice from your past three or four years of, of building an agency like this from scratch for how creative teams can move forward in this new environment? Um, I, you know, I can jump in on that one. And again, you know, four years in, I don't know that I have a lot of advice for companies that are sort of way older and that have, you know, probably a lot more legacy sort of infrastructure or legacy um, sort of cultures uh, in, in, in a way. Um, but I think, I feel there's a lot more room to reimagine than I think most people think, you know, and I think um, depending on the, the nature of your workforce, if you have people who are probably more sort of younger millennials and Gen Z, I, I think there's an openness to, to being um, collaborative about how the culture changes and about how the culture evolves, you know, and some people will love to get back into the office three days, three days a week and have that structure and not work in the living rooms uh, versus, you know, others who relish the the flexibility and want to move to you know making it up to loom and and get a, an apartment for a month and, and work remote from there and then go somewhere else so i think it's it, it's um you know an openness to the, to the conversation and figuring out what makes sense for the group that you have on hand uh and then also a willingness to rethink some of what you've probably held as true for quite a while you know pre pre uh pre-covid and pre the context that we're in Mm. Sophie, anything you want to add? No, I mean, uh, great words of, of wisdom from Kwame, as always. Um, no, I, I think it, it all comes back to um, to us to try to listen, you know, to the people we work with and 
Um, and I think that's something we haven't felt, you know, in our past, um, you know, and um, we, you can say that, you know, can we have a very horizontal structure and, you know, obviously everybody has like an expertise and, you know, the, the last words goes to, to people with, um, you know, that responsibility. But it's, it's really important to us that whether it's on the work or how we build the culture, you know, everybody has a, a say in this mm. and everybody can show up and be their full selves. Um, and so that's also something we, we try to, you know, really pay attention to. Mm -hmm. So, um, can is coming up and every year around can, there's a debate that resurfaces about purpose and whether brands should be marketing their purpose and whether, you know, purpose driven award, uh, work should be winning all the awards that they, that it wins, uh, that they win because, um, you know, sometimes some some people argue that it should just be regular commercial work that wins awards. Right. And that, you know, purpose work doesn't necessarily have a place. I'm sure that's not something either of you agree with. But talk a little bit about um, how you view this debate and how purpose work can um, achieve both the goals of commercial success as well as societal change. Yeah, I think you said it. I think a lot of people mistake purpose work for, you know, the, the, the ghost that you do on the side for that little, you know, charity and, um, or, you know, the feel good campaign that a brand would do just to, to get awards. But I, again, um, if it's tied to real objective, to real, you know, um, business, I think it's as worthy as an, any other kind of work out there. Um, and, so I don't know if the, and Carmen, tell me if you agree, but I don't know if it's a question of um, is purpose work wrong? Uh, it just, um, and, and shouldn't be awarded. I think it's, it's two different conversations. What are the criteria today in an award show? And should award shows, you know, be clearer about that? Um, and because things are changing and the way brands express themselves are changing. You know, it's funny because um, Sophie and I were just um, in London for DNAD, and um, this is a huge debate, uh, even there, you know. And I do feel there has been a big shift with the conversations about ESG and brand purpose and social, social impact in uh, a lot of brands, you know, bandwagoning, greenwashing, wokewashing. I, I feel like there, there was a huge shift to that. Uh, but what you, I think what we're seeing now is the brands that, um, weren't really committed, you know, and the brands that um, weren't invested long term and the brands for whom that shift didn't make sense for their business are all sort of, you know, reverting back. You know, they're 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 walking away from it. And, and I guess I have a slightly different point of view about this. I actually think that's a very good thing. You know, we need people in the space who are truly committed to the work and to the advancement of the challenges that we're facing in society and to the advancements of, of their corporate objectives in their business, you know? And I think if you're able to have that, then the work you do is much more meaningful, mm. you know? It, it moves away from cause marketing and becomes more purpose-built brand building, mm -hmm. you know? And to Sophie's point, it can be just as creative and just as innovative as any other type of work that's out there. And I really feel it should compete on that same level. You know, I, I, I just think if the work's good enough, it's good enough. Mm -hmm. and, and it shouldn't matter that it's, you know, uh, purpose work or not purpose work. 
a great idea is just a great idea. Yeah. And, and so we uh, continue to celebrate that. Mm. I think um, there has been a big push, right, for ESG over the past few years with the pandemic and people sort of waking up to issues with um, DE&I in the workplace and sustainability. Do you feel like, and then also, you know, there's there's constantly stats cited about Gen Z and, and how they care about purpose in the workplace. Do you think as a whole, corporations are genuinely embracing these issues or, you know, are there still outliers that that aren't really necessarily leaning in? Uh, I'll, I'll jump back in on this one. I, again, I, I still think there's a lot of virtue signaling and a lot of sort of symbolic um, gestures when it comes to this, um, because I feel not a lot of corporations are really embracing how big a and how um, ingrained a shift this is, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I say shift with a little bit of like consternation because I mean, this is not a new idea. Yeah. You know, in the 1950s, most companies, even like oil companies understood that they had a responsibility to their community and to society and had programs in place to really help uh, make, you know, progress uh, while they're pulling all this oil out the ground. You know, I feel like um, it, so in a way it's 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 a bit cyclical. But I think this time around, the return of it and how it's manifesting in things like employer brand. You know, you talk to someone who's 20 something, they want to work for a company whose values they believe in, you know, and 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 they have options. It's just the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I feel if you're, you know, a corporation that wants to have a very engaged workforce and wants to, you know, continue to grow and and uh, have success with your products. You need to be a part of the community. You need to do things that signal that you care about the society that you're uh, impacting. Mm-hmm. And, and the question you ask is actually something we ask ourselves every time we meet with a new team, a new partner, a new client. And that we do a lot of homework ahead to really interrogate, um, you know, where they're at and how far they're on the journey, how genuine is it? Um, and unfortunately, you know, we've had instances where in, you know, in digging, we realized that it was not really um, genuine and it felt very opportunistic. Just to give you an anecdote, we once we were approached by a big um, CPG group that had, um, you know, the, wanted to reach out to women of color who were disproportionately hurt after the pandemic. And we're like, amazing, great, let's learn more. And then in digging and digging, and we realized it was for one brand, one product, one limited edition product mm. that would be on shelf for six weeks. And so that's where we stopped because we felt that, you know, we didn't want to partake in this, but we, we left, you know, after having a big conversation about it and trying to, you know, to make them understand that it was a very novel cause and that the company should embrace it much further. And, um, but yes, unfortunately, there's still a little bit of these briefs going around. How hard is it as a small agency to turn down a big CPG brand like that? It, it was not easy. We had lots of 
conversation, uh, a lot of, um, you know, questions around how do we do this without damaging the relationship and not coming across also as, as not at all, because, you know, we're on the journey as well, you know, and, and we want to be very sure that, you know, we, we come at it with, from a very humble position. Um, but at some point, you know, we think of the team we have and the people and the, 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 the artisans and, and um, the creative we on, we bring on board and we just cannot do that mm. because they care. You know, we probably have brought a lot of women of color to bring to work on this piece of work and we just cannot do this. Mm-hmm. And same to, to the audience. You have to, uh, you know, the, the model definitely helps, right? So having a core team that we, of course, uh, know and, and kind of core skill sets around, you know, des- de- design and partner leadership and production. And, um, but then to Sophie's point, it's we, we just need to have people feel inspired about the work. You know, they have to be excited and obsessed about what they're about to embark on. And if they're not or if we're not, they know that, you know what I mean? And, and it, it just, it won't, it won't come, it won't lead to a great outcome for everyone involved. And that's typically something that we shy away from. Mm. Yeah. And if you're going to tell brands to stick to their values, then it's, you have to do it also, right? Set the example. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, Sophie Kwame, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'm super excited to see what, what kind of work you guys come up with um, going forward. And um, yeah, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Total pleasure to meet you and really enjoyed the conversations. Thanks for having us. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.